On this episode of the Pack It Up Pie, we preview our crucial Sunday night matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's go Pack. Third down and five. Roger, same side. And this time, it's in the hands of Lazard. Incredible play. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. What's up? Hi. Are we are, are we good? Right, we've been without football for a decent span. Are we all right? Is everybody is everybody handling this this break well? I've got an itch. I've oh, got I'm an like itch. a I'm like a properly starved animal, just ready to jump out the cage and start hunting. <laughs> I am so I'm so ready for this game. And what what a perfect matchup to come back from too. I mean, no no football last week to probably the best matchup of the year. Yeah, I I I am a little bit nervous and we'll get to it about this being after the bye week. I almost wish that we would have gone one more week of just let's go out to California and do our business, but regardless, here we go. The NFL vitalied this game, flexing it to the Sunday night. 49ers versus Packers. Packers lead the overall series 36 to 30 with one tie, mostly thanks to a 13 and one record over pretty much Favre's time with the Packers. But lately, they're two and four in their last six games. The 49ers are nine and one, tied with the Patriots for the best record in the NFL. Their first and only loss of the season happened two weeks ago against Seattle. In overtime, they snuck by the Cardinals last week at, with two late scores. I will mention, though, and I believe Dan has more confirmation on this, strength of schedule and strength of wins aren't great. Oh my schedule goodness. thus far, second easiest in the entire NFL. Just go through the quarterbacks they've played really fast. We don't have to list the exact team. You can pair them up. But they've gone Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, who's not playing well. Uh, it was, probably wasn't Dwayne Haskins for the Redskins, who was their first starter. Not a good quarterback. Uh, Kyle Allen for the Carolina Panthers. And then they finally got. Uh, the Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray sandwich, and all three games were super close, and they lost to the Seahawks. Now, I do give them credit. They probably would have beat the Seahawks if they had Robbie Gold, their normal kicker, but a loss is a loss. They have not played good quarterbacks, and when they do, they're struggling. I will mention that Mason Rudolph, though, was – they played him pre-almost getting murdered, so he was an okay quarterback back then. And they, they only won that game by four, though. It's not like they blew them out. They, so they barely beat Mason Rudolph. Uh, what I think is really a focus is for as healthy as the Green Bay Packers are, the 49ers are in trouble. Here is a list of players that were out mm-hmm. or got injured last week. Brita, D. Ford, Emmanuel Sanders, George Kittle, and Joe Staley. Like... Holy mackerel. And then also uh, uh, Robbie Gould for kicker. So we're talking about legitimate players that are questionable. I've heard that Emmanuel Sanders most likely is out. Kittle most likely comes back. D Ford is an absolute question mark. But let's start with this. 
I think we're a little bit more nervous of the 49ers defense than we are of their offense, assuming that they get players back that they need to. We're going to be seeing a a name like Bosa, which Arnie has nightmares from L.A. We've already experienced that that heat. But how do we feel about this Packers offense heading to the Bay Area and taking care of business? You know, you guys were saying about the strength of schedule, you know, being pretty weak, but this defense is not weak. You know, they, they were blowing out that weak competition normally week, week in and week out because of this defense. They, they held people to very low points. Uh, they've already scored four defensive touchdowns this year. Um, I mean, they are fast. They're aggressive um, they're, and there's talent all over the field. I, I don't. <laughs> What happened to the 49ers that sucked? I mean, where did all these players come from? Is this just like first round pick after pick? I mean, like what happened? This is really a well-coached team. And the way I want to try to put it in perspective is think about how happy we are with the changes in the Packers in the first 10 weeks of the LaFleur era. They're in year two of Kyle Shanahan, uh, who was LaFleur's really, it was his mentor. He Shanahan was calling the plays when they were Atlanta when LaFleur was quarterback coach. And they have a lot of similarities in their schemes and their philosophies and the way they coach to the degree that uh, Matt LaFleur's brother, brother, Mike, is the passing game coordinator for the 49ers. So there's a ton of similarities here. And, yeah, I wish we were in year two of LaFleur to pair up with year two of Shanahan as well. But uh, a super well-coached team where I think they're good at understanding their flaws. And we'll get to that when we talk to Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit. I think they're good at scheming their flaws out where you can't really expose them anymore. And their defense is just a a vicious pass rush that runs probably six deep on the defensive line alone. And I think it's going to give us problems. There's going to be a couple times as Packer fans that we're all going to be yelling at the TV that Rodgers should have let it go, that he shouldn't have held the ball so long. But the reason is, is they only have to rush four, which allows seven to drop into coverage. They play solid man-to-man defense. And with that elite pass rush, uh, they're going to get home a couple times after three or four seconds, hopefully. Uh, and when they do, we're going to blame Rodgers. But it's really just this defense. It's well coached. It's well schemed. Uh, it's going to be a blast to watch. But there's some there's some pieces we can get after, though, I think. And that defensive line you brought up, I mean, between Buckner, Armstead, D. Ford, and Bosa, they total oh 26 Lord. and a half sacks. <laughs> 26 and a half. That's more than Green Bay has altogether. I mean, this defensive line is stacked if one guy goes down there's another guy right behind them they list nick bosa and solomon thomas as backups on the depth chart oh my gosh that's how stacked they are and and nick bosa (laughs) is demanding nick bosa is demanding double teams already so that would be like kyler fackrell demands double teams when he gets in the game that that's just unheard of they're they're stacked luckily it sounds like d ford i read game time decision it seems like he's leaning towards not playing we're going to have our own problem with Kittle's probably leaning towards playing. But with D Ford out, at least I think we can focus on Nick Bosa. He can cause the same issues that his brother can, Joey Bosa. I hope we don't just try to man up Bakhtiari on Bosa and Balaga on Bosa. We need to give them helps with help with the tight ends chipping or sliding the line to their side. And we're afforded that, uh, that luxury because D Ford's out. We should be able to slide our line towards the Bosa side. Yeah, it's a little scary. This defense is ranked second in yards against, second in points against, and tied for first in sacks. What is interesting, though, is they're actually middle of the pack when it comes to rush defense, which is interesting that you have that good of a line that's able to get to a quarterback, when it, but when it comes to the rush, they, they have some holes. But, I I mean, it just 
it just seems it just seems scary to me that you have that good of a team and this might be one of those situations that if they would have played us at any point in the first eight or so weeks I would be absolutely sweating the only thing that gives me hope is we have Matt LaFleur looking at this offense and saying I have two weeks to put the greatest game plan together which we've talked about more often than not we come out in those first couple drives really, really clicking. Let's see how far that expands out. But this 49ers group is just banged up. They're not the same team yeah. that they were in week five even. So Right. And we, we haven't seen LaFleur out of a bye week yet. So we don't know the moves he made in the last 14 days, whether we come out with a little bit of rust or we come out clicking on all cylinders. We don't know how that's going to flush out yet. But what we can take as a feather in our cap is that the 49ers bye week was in week four. And these guys, I, I wish we were playing them in two weeks because their following two games are against the Baltimore Ravens and the New Orleans Saints. So they're entering a gauntlet of three weeks that's really going to define their season of are they for real? Are they a Super Bowl contender? Or maybe is this week's schedule sort of masking some of their flaws? The Packers are going to be the first one to have a chance to expose that. And it, Ironically, we're getting them at the freshest they are. And it, I made a point in our last podcast, I think, that it was three games in 13 days. And I, I think I want to back off that really being a differentiator of the 49ers being tired because the normal three game stretch is 14 days instead of 13. So it's not that big of a difference. But these have been <laughs> but these have been in in division in their conference and division and tough, close fought games against running quarterbacks. So the defense has had to run sideline to sideline uh, managing Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. So I, I do think they're a little tired. We see that on their injury report. But we also don't know how the Packers are going to respond, and that can be a, a mark on your coach of how they come out of a bye week. We could come out you know, for that first quarter just looking a little sloppy and having to pull it together. Dan, you bring up a great point. They, In the games that they were struggling, they were running sideline to sideline as a defense, and that was a, a, a game plan for each team that was playing them, especially the Cardinals, oh, yeah. um, and not just quarterback running. You know, It was get the ball in the wide receiver hands, out wide, in the running back hands, out wide, get Street them in passes. space, one-on-one, -on -one, beat them. You know, you don't you're not going to win every matchup, but you're going to win more than you lose, probably, because we have better we have talented players on the offense. And if we hold on to the ball, that is when we're going to lose and it will turn into the Chargers game all over again. We have to get the ball out of Rogers hands, no matter how much he wants to hold on to it. Yeah. Have quick design plays nonstop. Quick releases, but like Ryan said, the run game needs to get at least 20 carries here to keep them honest and create some play action for our for our deep shots, right? So so those shots that we do take a couple times a game, the Cardinals used a ton of option plays. They use bootlegs. They use straight quarterback runs, and they're things that Aaron Rodgers could have done five ten years ago that mm -hmm. Ky Kyler Murray can do. He can scoot, but Aaron Rodgers can't do those types of plays anymore. So we need to create that time in the pocket and i think it's got to come from a running game that's respectable right so get four and a half five yards of carry going and then it's going to free up your deep shot and one thing i want to talk about is uh the cardinals really i think exposed richard sherman a little bit we all know he's nearing the end of his career he had a ton of pass interference holding uh you know all these interesting calls last week that of course he was arguing all of them but against larry fitzgerald and christian kirk not not a Devontae Adams caliber type wide receiver. So I, I'm thinking Devontae might get his first touchdown this week. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think Devontae has his way with the secondary as long as we have 
time to get out of Rogers hands. Um, I, I don't see any of their secondary really matching up with Devonte Adams. It's, it's the other people getting open and helping out the team that I worry about. Isn't that nuts? Week 12. We're talking about can Devonte get his first touchdown? <laughs> Holy hell. Yeah. Who would have thought? And the thing is, I, I think it really, I, I agree completely that we got to get the rushing game going, but I really hope that LaFleur looks at this Chargers game that I think is very similar in terms of they're going to bring pass rush. They have a decent secondary, but we didn't use the the running backs or, or the backfield at all within the passing game. This needs to just be that complete team effort of it's people in the backfield, it's tight ends, it's Devontae freeing up or at least getting penalties. I think Lazard with speed could actually be dominant in this game, but it's a matter of can this offensive line hold it long enough where Rodgers takes care of business and we're shuffling in these quick plays of being okay getting six yards and saying, you know what, this is a six-yard play and that's fine, we're going to keep it moving. But I really do think that if we can take advantage offensively, I think our defense can hold strong. And that brings us to our defense, who Ooh. this is going to be interesting. And especially if this 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 49ers George team, <laughs> yeah, damn tight ends. How is this possible? Mm. But um, it, it's a it's good offense. I'm not saying it's the worst around, but there's a lot of, of interesting things going on. They're somehow second in the NFL in terms of average rushing yards per game. But over the last three weeks, they are sub three yards per carry. They've struggled mightily. Uh, Brito is out. Coleman has looked horrible and hasn't looked quite right. This rush rush offense is not where it should be. So can this Packers defense – do a better showing than the Chargers and more specifically get those turnovers? I mean, honestly, I, I'm not scared at all either. Um, what? I, I'm not. Oh, my I'm goodness. Not, I, I think they're going to eat I, your words. Oh, oh, I'm sure I will. But, you know, yes, they're going to move the ball on the ground. I, I don't I don't think they'll struggle like they have in the previous weeks. I think they're going to move the ball very easily. Um, but what this is, comes down to and what it has come down to for the Packers week in and week out is the red zone. And I do not trust Jimmy G, sorry, 49ers fans, in the red zone versus our secondary and our pass rush. I I, I think they'll get there and it it will be a close game, just like multiple others have when we're playing good teams. Um, But I think we can handle them and come up with a couple turnovers in the red zone again. Yeah, when I was watching some 49ers games, I watched the Seahawks game live. I watched the Cardinals game back on film and the, the condensed version. I'm not impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm I'm impressed with the scheme they've put in place to let him shine and let his game come through and still look good. So he's really a steady quarterbacker. He's not a quarterbacker. <laughs> uh, jumping into my next word, he's a steady quarterback, but he's not really a game wrecker, in my opinion, is what I meant to say. So the 49ers really show that they don't want him throwing the ball 35, 40 times. And I say that knowing full well that he threw 45 times against the Cardinals for 400 yards and four touchdowns. But it's because this run game, like Ryan said, was a just completely, you know, they didn't even show up. 19 carries averaging 1.8 yards per carry. They're really missing Matt Breida in the run game. And from what I've seen, he's not expected to be back this week. Is that right? I have heard no reports in which he is. Yeah. So so we're assuming he's out. So 
I'm going to say that what used to be a strength for them with Matt Breida, they went really three deep with the running backs with Breida, Mostert, and Coleman. And that really could have changed my opinion on how successful the 49er offense could be against us because they counted on that running game to then free up Garoppolo to make his plays. Um, but they've shown, you know, he's got the second fastest time to release, insert joke here, with just 2.41 seconds. And the only quarterback in the NFL with a faster time to release was Andy Dalton. And what that's showing is that, A, they want to limit the pass rush, Joe Staley being out, that they're somewhat comfortable with the backup left tackle. So it's not like something that I can say Zadarius Smith is going to take, you know, uber advantage of. But what that screams to me is that uh, they're running a short passing game, short, quick routes. They're not necessarily having him do five, seven stop dropbacks and progress through reads across the defense. They're banking on the run game to free up quick routes for Garoppolo. So without a run game in place, Josh is right. Maybe the secondary can create some turnovers. I'm scared, though, that with Kittle in the mix, we have no answer for a tight end again. And they haven't had Kittle for a few weeks. This offense completely changes when they have George Kittle. He's probably the best tight end in the game right now. Yeah, don't don't you think they're going to do like what we did versus Kansas City? You know, just try to prevent the big play, try to keep everything in front of them. And, you know, that's what I think, you know, Petten's going to do this week versus the 49ers. Yeah, you may have to because they have some speed. They've got uh, Debo Samuel is their rookie wide receiver. He actually leads all rookie wide receivers uh, in the NFL this year with 38 receptions already. So, you know, last week he had eight for 134. He's a fast guy, but the word I would use for him is more like beast. He's, he's a strong guy, too. So I'm a little bit nervous that if Debo Samuel gets matched up on Kevin King, we might see some tackling issues come into play, <laughs> but, but hopefully we, we shat. Well, we're not going to shadow. We've shown we're not going to do that, but hopefully when Debo Samuel has the ball in open field, we team tackle and, and solve that problem. Um, but yeah, they do a really nice job getting the ball to anybody. They're not singularly reliant on one guy to get open. They've got, you know, Richie James Jr., Kendrick Bourne, Jeff Wilson, Ross Dwelly, all these essentially no-namers if you're not a 49er fan, but they can expose you in any of these guys, and I take that all back to coaching. They they trust their entire 53-man roster to, to make a difference on game day because they're so well-coached. So I don't know if it's something that we can just sit back from a defensive perspective and keep everything in front of us. Um, they're going to, they're going to make some plays and I, I, I just hesitate to trust like you are, Josh, that we can always get a turnover in the end zone after giving up 80 yards. I didn't say we were going to win. I just did. Oh, <laughs> there you go. No, but you bring up a great point. They, they do spread the ball around. They, they've thrown, uh, to 12 different players for a touchdown this year, um, which, which is pretty impressive. They definitely spread it around. They don't focus on one player. Uh, it's a very well called offense too they 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 do things on purpose uh it's sort of like uh matt lafleur is on the on the sideline over there um it it looks a lot like the packers offense just different playmakers at different positions um so i i honestly can't wait i it's going to be a great matchup either way uh if they do succeed or not (laughs) yeah if we can get a pass rush on garoppolo i think i think you could almost say game over if we're showing a steady pass rush early in the game because it 
he's not a quarterback that does well under pressure. He he starts getting happy feet. He starts throwing the ball into tight spots, and that's where we could get our interceptions. The the other guy that's going to be fun to watch, Kyle Juszczyk, Juszczyk, you could probably say his name better than I, but he essentially is the role that we expected Danny Vitale to be playing this year, and Vitale just hasn't quite found his niche yet. He's part fullback, part halfback, but he'll also go for like seven to ten catches if you leave him open out of the backfield. And that that right there is your biggest dilemma. How do you guard a super freak athletic tight end in Kittle if he's playing Sunday night and then still leave a linebacker to match up on their fullback? See, see what I think they need to do, and I've said this before, they, they one, need to blitz the safeties a lot more in this game. I, I want to pressure Garoppolo to get it out of his hands quick, not for him to have a choice to get it out of his hands quick, right? And and also, I want them to hit the tight end at the line. Stop letting these tight ends get clean releases yeah, into, the, yeah. into the middle of the field where Blake Martinez is, and obviously he's not really great, so why don't we slow up the tight end a little <laughs> bit and give him a little chance? Like, I don't get why we give them free releases every week. Yeah, I, Go ahead, Ryan. I will say that I, I think it's e- interesting that you bring up Debo because he actually came out of that game with a shoulder injury. And Maybe I think really. they, all reports are that he will be back and he'll be fine. But this team is not 100 percent. And I, I if this was a home game for the Packers, I actually think I'd be giddy because I think we could take advantage. The only worry is how rusty and with that road trip ahead. Yeah, those are my two biggest worries. A, George Kittle coming back and we can't stop tight ends, and then B, going to the West Coast. We've shown that we don't we don't handle that well, you know, historically. And this year, you know, it was a, a huge dud in San Diego just a couple of weeks ago. But we are flying out on Saturday instead of Friday, so don't worry about us. Huge difference, right? No partying. No partying. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) You know, one guy guy we didn't bring up when we were talking 49ers defense and just a guy to watch, Fred Werner in the middle, uh, Mm. very very fast middle linebacker. When it comes to, you know, on most preview podcasts, Josh and I and Ryan are all sitting here saying we got to throw it to the running back. We got to stretch the field. Warner's going to do a nice job of covering that. And I, I'm going to have fun watching those matchups and see how we try to free up Aaron Jones for some quick routes on him. But he's a fast, solid linebacker. Uh, you know, he's, I wouldn't call him elite quite yet, but he's pretty fun to watch. And I, he, I think he's going to make us change up our original game plan or at least, mm-hmm. you know, get tricky on him in order to free up a guy like Aaron Jones for some of those underneath routes. Yeah, I, I, and going back to our offense, but I definitely think our wide receivers have to step up in this game for us to win. I, I don't think yeah. our running backs can win at this time alone. Stay tuned for my MVP. Ooh, hey, hey, hey. With that, our official, unofficial bookie, Bavada, has the 49ers favorite at minus three, which pretty much means they think this is absolutely even. It's just a home field advantage for the 49ers. Over under, which has never fluctuated past like three points, is 48. So what's your prediction? Who's your MVP? What happens Sunday night in Santa Clara? Sorry if you guys are hearing all the the train noises here. I'm actually posted up at Union Station. but Is Aaron Jones coming through your (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll just say we need to start fast out of the bye week, right? The 49ers may be tired, but if we leave them in the game early, if we don't give them a a one-two punch fast, then this is going to be a, a one or two point game, in my opinion, and, and that's that's expected, right? It's going to be a fun game. But if you match up all the 49er injuries to what it would look like if they were the Packers, it would be guys like Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, Zadaria Smith, Aaron Jones, Jimmy Graham, Mason Crosby, and then you could argue Jamal Williams might get hurt as well. 
So if we were that banged up going into this game, you would say the 49ers better win. Otherwise, they're not a legit contender. So I'm going to say the same thing. The Packers better win. Otherwise, they're not a legitimate contender for the Super Bowl. You've got the 49ers who are 9-1, and one, but they've played a fairly weak schedule. They've lost or been competitive to the, the only two good quarterbacks that they've played. Um, we're heading out to the West Coast, and the George Kittle part scares me. If he plays, I could probably swing this score prediction by six points in San Francisco's favor just because we've shown the complete lack of ability to cover a tight end. But I'm going to say our MVP, first of all, is going to be MVS. Marquez Valdez. Wow, did he three catches for six yards? The Phoenix is going to rise. He's going to be healed after the bye week. There's going to be plenty of attention with Devontae Adams on Richard Sherman. I already talked about I think we can expose Richard Sherman at least for some pass interference penalties because he's slowing down, and Devontae is going to be fully recovered. But I'm looking for MVS to be fully recovered and get some opportunities after you've established a little bit of a run game. I'm looking for I'm going to clarify my MVP status out of MVS is like four catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. That's all I need out of my wide receiver number two in this game. And I think it would make a huge difference. Um, But there's going to be opportunities if we have a little bit of a running game, get play action, take your deep shot to MVS, get one of those catches for 50, 60 yards. That really makes the safety start playing back and frees up everything else underneath. So with that said, MVS is going to have a week. Green Bay, you go into San Francisco, which is actually Santa Clara. They don't even play in the city that they're called after. You take this game. You show you're a contender for the Super Bowl. Green Bay 24, San Fran 21. There it is. Nice. You know, it's funny that you, you you say that they have to prove themselves for a Super Bowl contender. Um, I, I read earlier this this week in sporting news um, that the winner of this game will win the Super Bowl. And it's according to NFL. It marks just the fifth time since 2007 that teams with two or fewer losses have played each other this late in the season. Uh, the winners of the last two times, Broncos in 2015 and the Seahawks in 2013. Both went on and win the Super Bowl. Wow. Um, so that's my bold prediction. Whoever wins this game wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. Whoa. This is so much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I have the Packers winning. It's a close one. I think it's going to come down to either a goal line stance like against Carolina or Rodgers pulling out something out of his back pocket. But I have the Packers winning 27-24. Um, and the MVP, I do – I. We've never said his name as an MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I, I think that's the only way we win this game. I think our defense will bend but not break like they have. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have to pull out some magic. You know, it's his home state. You know, he, he, he's on Sunday night. Uh, so, I mean, he's going he's gonna to blow it up. And I think he's going to have a huge game and win only because of him. I need to clarify two things. First of all, this is not the official opinion of the Pack It Up Packers pod. <laughs> the <laughs> Packers are Super Bowl champs if they win in Week 12. Second, you don't think Rodgers could get away with a 220-yard, one or two touchdown game and the Packers still win, considering with, the, the run defense of the 49ers? So if he does do that, I'd be perfectly fine and still call him an MVP if no. he man- manages the game <laughs> and the time perfectly like he has throughout the whole entire season. I want to know your minimum statistical line necessary to call him an MVP. Like a hundred, minimal statistics. 100, 103 yards, 50% completion nope. percent. <laughs> two, two, 280, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, only allowing two sacks. That is a big thing. The the ability for Rodgers to take care of the football is mm-hmm. going to be huge this week. Yeah. Ryan, what do you got? I have a similar score to Josh. I think this is Green Bay 30-24. 
I, I, I think that the injuries are going to actually help in terms of our rustiness that I think both teams in that first quarter, it's going to come out to, can we put some drives together and can we hold them? And if we can get off to a fast start, I like it a lot. I, I'm going to pick Kenny Clark and here's why I I think, I think he, I think he does back-to-back weeks. I think he controls the running game that it's four weeks in a row that San Francisco just can't get going. I think he gets a sack, maybe in a sack and a half. Garoppolo, I do, I do think, throws an interception um, that it's just like a weird where they're trying to force it to Kittle to try to get him involved, and we 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 undercut it. I I think our defense really really shows up where they have to. I think there's less likely a chance that they're rusty than the offense, and we pull it off, and we somehow leave this weekend as the number one seed in the NFC. Which, holy mackerel. And also, as a side note, we haven't gotten to this. I think we mentioned it maybe in a a previous episode. If they can find a way to win against San Francisco, they go cross-country to the New York Giants, which I would hope we Oh, wait, wait. Let's just get this week out of the way. (laughs) Home against Washington, home against Chicago. If they can get on a roll, they have the schedule to absolutely roll into that Vikings uh, night game. But... Let's just get this week out of the way because also if we lose, even if it's just by a point and we say, wow, we, we went, we went, uh, you know, head to head with these guys and we look just as good and some weird play happened at the end that the 49ers won, we would still then fall into a tie with the Vikings and have a big showdown with them in a month. So they're, they're the top of the NSC is so tight right now that each game is going to have huge weight on it. This obviously is the most important hurdle in front of us. And yes, I love it if we clear this hurdle. We're looking at a very good five-week span to get some bye week and some home field advantage, but this is going to be huge. Absolutely. The real question is, uh, does Gary get a sack? <laughs> I'm over it. Hey. I've started doing like, abs. He's like super improved from weeks one through five, though, so don't worry, Ben. You won't, your belly won't be showing at a bar somewhere. He has looked a little better, and, you know, if anyone's got ab workouts or rollers or crunches or whatever, you know, any Amazon widget that could make me look a little better <laughs> in, this, in this T-shirt, send them my way. The electric shocker, you know, you hook up the things and just shock your stomach. You know, I mean, what, what's fun. what's the better city to be wearing this belly shirt, Nashville or Tampa? Because I'm not going to do it in my hometown. <laughs> uh, Tampa's pretty trashy. Come on Tampa. down, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> So that will do it for this episode. We'll see how Sunday night goes. Come on, first place in the NFC. Thanks, everybody. Go, Pat, go. Go.